You are watching Christ's Commission Fellowship. Changing lives for eternity. Have you been blessed by the Jonah series? Yes, so have I. Now, unfortunately, there is no Jonah chapter 5. But we will continue on our series on radical love. We will continue talking about practice radical love. Now, the word radical, as we have heard from Pastor Peter in previous Sundays, it, it really means fundamental or basic, essential. But it also means pervasive. Pervasive means it permeates, it, it, it goes deep, and it impacts everything. And the other meaning, of course, of radical, which you may be more familiar with, is it's extreme. In other words, the love of God is fundamental. You and I cannot live a, a, an abundant, meaningful life without it. It is pervasive. If we experience His radical love, it will truly um, permeate through every aspect of our being. And of course, it's extreme because we find no other love like that in this world. We find it only in the person of our Lord and our God. So we will continue the series on practicing radical love. Now, why is it L-O-V-E with periods? Because love represents the core values of CCF. In other words, let me ask you, how many of you can say and raise your hand with me to say that you have experienced God's radical love in your life? Can you say that? Can you gesture that with me? Praise God. Indeed, we have experienced and continue to experience His radical love. The question is, how do we respond to that radical love? There is a proper response to it, and we articulate that proper response in our core values, L-O-V-E. L stands for love God, love others. If you and I have been truly transformed by the radical love of God, the first thing we do is we love Him in return. Now, what does it mean to love God in return? Well, God says, if you really love me, you will love other people, your spouse, your children, your neighbor, your boss, even people who don't love you. We will love them. That is radical love. So the first way by which we show our love for God is we love others. The Bible says, we cannot love God whom we do not see if we do not love people whom we are able to see. Now, the other way by which you and I express our love for God is found in letter O. Letter O is obey God's Word and His appointed authorities. God's Word, obviously, what we have right here in our hands or in our phones, wherever it may be, hopefully best in our minds and in our hearts. Obey God's Word but including His appointed authorities, our parents, our teachers, our employers, our spiritual mentors, etc., etc. Why is that included here? Simply because in God's Word, it says we should obey our appointed authorities. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. Now, the other two, letter V, letter E, we will reserve that for the next few weeks. But for this Sunday, today, and next Sunday, we will talk about obey God's Word and His appointed authorities. Now, obedience to God, what does that have to do with radical love? Very simple. Jesus said in John 14, 15, 
If you love me, you will keep or you will obey my commandments. It's a very simple conclusion, but it takes the power of God's Spirit in us to make this true in our lives. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, if we say we love God, then we must also love His Word, and that's why we will keep His commandments. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 119, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all of the day. In other words, meditation, this is like the picture here is a cow chewing grass over and over again, swallowing it, regurgitating it, chewing some more to maximize the nutrients from the grass. And here, it gives us an illustration of how you and I are to ruminate, to meditate on the Word of God, to maximize its impact in our lives. Because remember, as we always remind ourselves in CCF, this is God's Word. If we're going to obey it, we need to know it to begin with, right? So again, show of hands. How many of us have read the whole Bible last year? Okay, read the whole Bible, okay, not as many. This year, will we do it? Parang kulang sa pagkain. Okay, by the grace of God, when we raise our hands next year, same time next year, there will be many, many more hands. But more than that, we need to guard our time with God's Word every day because the Word of God is not meant for accumulation. It is meant for application. It is not for information, it is for transformation. That's the bottom line. So again, the message today is obey God's Word and appointed authorities. You know, some of us, we don't have too much of an issue with the first part, obey the Word of God. Our issue is with the second one. Whatever it is, let's all learn together, shall we? Now, today, in today's message, I want us to remember two important principles as we talk about obeying God's Word and His appointed authorities. Two principles. Principle number one, our view of God will impact our everyday life. You and I said we have experienced His radical love, but is that our consistent view of God? a God who is sovereign, holy, highly exalted, and yet gracious, loving, merciful, and tender according to His Word. Is that our true and everyday view of God? If we have a correct view of God, it will show in our everyday life as we obey Him, not grudgingly, but wholeheartedly, with joy, with thanksgiving. Our view of God, right or wrong, will impact our everyday life, okay? That is principle number one. Principle number two is obedience will always bring blessing. You like that principle? You know, many times we like the second principle a lot. But it's important we first learn the first principle because we may obey just to get blessing. Now, God is a rewarder. There's no doubt about that. He does bring blessing. But our most important thing is our perspective, our view of God. If we see Him for all that He is, it will show in our everyday life. Obedience will be a joy, and blessing will be a bonus. Are we okay so far? So those are the two principles we want to talk about. Let me talk more about the second one. 
Obedience always, always, 100%, I guarantee you based on the Word of God. It will always bring blessing. Now, the blessing may not be in the form or in the timing that we would like, but it will always bring blessing. Now, how many of you here today, like me, remember Star Trek? Now, look, just because you remember Star Trek doesn't mean you're in my age category, okay? Because Star Trek has a franchise even up to today. Star Trek has been around longer than Star Wars. As a matter of fact, it started in the mid-1960s, and George Lucas himself said that Star Trek helped set the stage and even inspire him for Star Wars. All right? Now, next question. Who is your favorite character from Star Trek? Please do not say R2-D2 because he's not from Star Trek, okay? You got the wrong movie, man. My favorite character is this guy. Who is he? Mr. Spock. And when you meet Mr. Spock and he does this thing with his hand, what does he say? Do you know? He says, live long and prosper. Oh, diba? Ganda. It's a blessing. It's a greeting. And you know, when I, when I read this Vulcan greeting, when I remember it from Star Trek, live long and prosper, it reminds me of something that God told His people through Moses before they were going to enter the Promised Land. Look at it. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you that you might do them. Notice the emphasis. Not so that you may just know them, but you, may, you might do them in the land where you're going over to possess it. So that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God to keep or to obey all his statutes and his commandments which I command you all the days of your life and that your days may be prolonged. Wow. Live long and wait, we're not finished. Oh, Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you and that you may multiply greatly just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, folks, don't misunderstand me. This is not prosperity theology, okay? I am not saying that once we obey God, all of our problems will disappear. We will all live to be 120 years old, and we will all have billions of pesos in the bank. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just giving you an example from the Bible of the principle that obedience will always bring blessing. But remember the first principle. Before you and I can even obey God, joyfully, thankfully, consistently, our view of God has to be correct. He is the God of radical love. Because I realized two people could have experienced God's radical love, but they will have very different everyday responses to His Word. Okay, we will see that in the story we will look at in a while. Meantime, what's our message today? Together, obey. God's Word and His appointed authorities. Look at what this Scottish theologian said a long time ago, Peter Forsyth. The first duty of every soul is to find not its freedom, but its master. 
And so I ask all of us today, who is our master? In other words, okay, we say Jesus. So my next question is, who are we obeying with all of our heart today? Who are we obeying joyfully, wholeheartedly, fully and consistently? Is it our own desire or is Jesus, is God truly our master? You know, when I think of the whole subject of obedience, about our view of God, about obedience bringing blessing, this is the verse that always comes to my mind. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. You and I talked about this almost exactly one year ago on this same topic. Joshua 1.8 says, this is now God talking to Joshua. Joshua is now the new leader of God's people. He is God's appointed servant to lead the people, this new generation of Israelites, into the promised land. And God is telling Joshua, my servant, this is the secret to your success. And God told him, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall, again, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to know. Is it to know? No, it is to do. To do according to most of what is written in it. Ah, your eyes are very sharp. According to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Now, these two words, I know this is your favorite part, the prosperous and the success part. Let me explain. Prosperous simply means this. You are blessed with a surplus. The Bible says we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. By the way, there's nothing wrong with material blessing, okay? I don't want us to shift to the other extreme. But at the end of the day, the principle of the word prosperous, the meaning of the word prosperous is you and I are blessed with a surplus. That's why we say we are blessed to bless others. And then this word success, the whole idea behind this is that you will act wisely. That's what the meaning of the word success is. You and I will act wisely. Meaning to say, based on the principles of the Word of God, we will be able to live a life that we will not regret. Is that important to you? When you look back at your life, you will not have regrets? Well, that's what this means. Now, I'm imagining the scene here, God talking to Joshua. And you know me, I like movies. And I imagine, this is just my imagination, okay? I imagine as God is telling Joshua about the secret to success, being obedience. It's like I imagine Joshua having a flashback. Do you understand the word flashback? Like if you watch the movie Saving Private Ryan. This from, from this elderly gentleman, all of a sudden, the whole movie is a flashback. If you watch the movie Hacksaw Ridge, it's the same thing. Uh, from present day, the whole movie is a flashback. So I can imagine Joshua having a flashback in his life. Many, many years ago, in the book of Numbers, remember they were not yet in the promised land. In Numbers 13, it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send out for yourself men so that 
they may spy out the land of Canaan, which I am going to give to the sons of Israel. You shall send a man from each of their father's tribes, everyone a leader among them. In other words, God is clearly stating what he already said before. He said, I promised you this land. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to drive out the people there. You need to go in and take it. So it was God's guarantee. And then he said, you choose one leader from every tribe. So how many tribes? Twelve. So how many spies? Twelve. Among these twelve spies were two men. One of them, guess who? Joshua. The other one? Caleb. Okay, we'll see that in the story later. So what happens next? When Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, he said to them, Go up there into the Negev, then go up into the hill country, see what the land is like, see whether the people who live in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many. This is basic standard army reconnaissance. Okay, you get an objective report. What you see, you come back and tell us. And then he says, how is the land in which they live? Is it good or bad? How are the cities in which they live? Are they like open camps or with fortifications? How is the land? Is it fat or lean? Are there trees in it or not? Make an effort then to get some of the fruit of the land. Now, all of a sudden, there's this last command. Make an effort, very specific, then to get some of the fruit of the land. How come? Well, the people may not have known it, but God knew that now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. God wanted to show these people a small but significant sample of how amazing and how much of a blessing this land really was. And so the story continues. Then they came to the valley of Eshkol, and from there cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes. They carried it on a pole between two men with some of the pomegranates and the figs. That place was called the valley of Eshkol because of the cluster which the sons of Israel cut down from there. So in other words, two men, a pole, and a cluster of grapes, they had to carry it back to their people. Now there's some debate, were the, gi were the grapes giant grapes? Or was the cluster so big? You know, what was it really? We will not debate. The point is God wanted them to see for themselves how blessed this land was. That is God's radical love. Now, what happened when they came back? When they returned from spying out the land at the end of how long? Forty days. They proceeded to come to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paranat Kadesh, and they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Okay, again, the movie in my mind. All right, let's say this is the congregation of Israel. And here are the 12 spies. And they have show and tell, okay? So they bring this cluster of grapes. Now you, I, in my mind, I, start, I can start hearing the people. Ooh, ooh, you know, the reaction is starting. And then what happens next? Thus they told him and said, We went into the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey, meaning it is a very rich agricultural, agricultural land. It is fantastic. The, the potential is enormous. Flowing with milk and honey, and this, 
is its fruit. Now, can you hear the people? Oh. Or am I the only one watching this movie? Okay. Now, look what happened next. Nevertheless. Now, folks, when you hear the word nevertheless, what does that mean? The implication of the word nevertheless is this. In spite of everything that has been said or seen or heard, my conclusion is still the opposite of that. For example, in spite of the fact that the Weather Bureau said, today is cloudy with 50% chance of rainfall. In spite of the clouds I see in the sky, nevertheless, I believe it will not rain today. Okay, do we all understand the implication of this word, nevertheless? So, they said, nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong, the cities are fortified and very large, and moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. In Tagalog, mga anak ni Anak. Who are these people? These are warriors, reputedly seven to nine feet tall. So this was factual. Amalek is living in the land of the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites living in the hill country, the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the side of the Jordan. In other words, the, the spy said, this land has very big people, and elsewhere in the land, it's full of people. Now, can you see the movie? Can you hear the murmuring of the people? They're looking at each other. That's why Caleb had to do something. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, we should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. You see, the view, Caleb's view of God, impacted his everyday life. So with the people, they had a different view. They had a different response. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are too strong for us. By the way, this phrase, we are not able, what is the simple translation of that? It means we will not do it. Is that right? We're not able. We will not do it. God said, go into the land. The people said, the ten spies said, we will not. Is it as clear as day? It is very clear. Now, let me ask you, Caleb, Joshua, and the ten other spies, for that matter, all of the people in the congregation, did they see the pillar of cloud during the day? Did they see the pillar of fire at night? Did they see experience the parting of the Red Sea. Remember earlier, we said, how many of us experienced the radical love of God and, you know, practically everyone raised their hands? But look at how different the response is, even if they've experienced the same thing. You know, Jesus in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 7, he talked about the same thing. He talked about a house built on rock and a house built on sand. And he said, you know, both of these people, they both hear the Word of God. One of them puts it into practice. One of them does not put it into practice. The one who puts it into practice is like a house built on rock. The one who doesn't practice is like a house built on sand. And when the storms come, which they surely will, 
The house on rock stands strong. The house on sand collapses. Our view of God will impact our everyday life. Obedience will always bring blessing. One of the things that my wife and I learned early on to obey in our lives is tithing, giving back to the Lord because our view of God was He owns everything anyway. And so early on in our Christian life, we would give 10% of our income, at least. And then we said, wait a minute, we've been tithing on 10% of our net income. But God gives us gross income. It just so happens that a part of it goes to taxes, but that's not the point. It all comes from God. So we started to tithe on our gross income. Fine. So we were obeying that for a long time. And then the storm came. Fourteen years ago, most of you know, my wife got cancer, stage four. Her chemotherapy medicines were so expensive that her medicines alone already exceeded our income. So we're not even talking about food on the table, education of the children, and so forth. Do you think we still tithe? By the grace of God, we still tithe. And you know what? When that long, dark episode was over, we looked at our savings, and I cannot explain it to you, it was intact. We thought we would be wiped out, but it was like nobody touched it. I am so amazed up to this day because obedience always brings blessing. Our son learned the same principle early in life. And when he was an adult, a young adult, one day he was out of a job. And this friend of his who decided to become a missionary and raise support. And he gave our son a form, a support form. And our son had no work. He had no income. He had a little bit of savings in the bank. And in, the, in his mind, he said, maybe I'm exempted. But his heart gave him no rest. And so he got the form. He went to the bank. He got in line. And he said, this is not one-time support. This is monthly. He had no job. And so he stood in line in the bank, and he, you know, gave, started to give his support. He gets out of the bank branch. The moment he steps out, his cell phone rings, and he gets a job offer. How do you explain that? God is truly amazing. But you see, praise God. Now, again, don't get me wrong. God is not a slot machine, okay? So, some, like I said, the blessing sometimes comes in a form that we may not expect. Even the timing may be not what we would like, but obedience will always bring blessing. Let's go back to the story. So they gave out to the sons of Israel. These are the ten spies who said, no, 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 we will not do it. They gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out saying. Now, before we go there, Remember, they were supposed to give an objective report. But I realize when you don't want to obey, you start to make excuses. You start to exaggerate. Look at what they said. The land through which we have gone in spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. Wow. Where did they see that? Did they see the ground open and people get swallowed? Of course not. So where is that coming from? Okay. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. Oh, wait a minute. That's not true. Not all of them. 
There also we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak are part of the Nephilim, and we became like grasshoppers, Wongman. Grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Why did you ask them? How do we look to you? Oh, you look like grasshoppers. That's not factual. You know, in Tagalog we say, pag gusto, maraming paraan. Pag ayaw, maraming dahilan. In English, if you like, many ways. If you don't like, many excuses. Oh, di ba? Tama naman yun. And I realize that's lesson number one from these people. By the way, before we go to lesson number two, let's not be so critical about the Israelites. In the New Testament, Paul writes, whatever happened to them is like an example for you and for me. Because whether we want to admit it or not, we are capable of doing what they're doing. Am I right or am I correct? Okay. Lesson number, lesson number one is we can exaggerate. We think of all kinds of excuses. Lesson number two is that disobedience can be infectious. It's like a virus. Then all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. All the sons of Israel grumbled, complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, would that we have died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I want us to remember that last statement. Remember it well. Okay? Or would that we had died in this wilderness. Remember that. It will come back later. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land or to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Imagine, the, you know, their imagination is running away with them. Oh, these people will kill our children. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us appoint a leader and return to Egypt. That was their conclusion. This is not only the ten spies now. This is everybody else because disobedience is contagious. It's a virus, a deadly virus. Now here, we realize that grumbling, complaining, rebellion, opposition is many times directed towards a human being, a leader. But you and I will realize that opposition, rebellion, disobedience is ultimately against whom? Against whom? Okay. Let's see what the answer to that is. In Romans chapter 13, you and I are told, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. Who are these? Our parents, our employers, our government, anyone who has some kind of authority over us at any situation at any given time. Now, of course, the only time we draw a line is when these people tell us to do something that is clearly against the Word of God. But generally speaking, the Bible tells us we are to be in subjection to them. For there is no authority except from is that what the Bible says? No authority except from God. And those which exist are established by? Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of? 
Not my words, God's word. And they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. Now, what is this about? Is this about blind obedience? No. Remember, it goes back to principle number one. What is principle number one? Our view of God will impact our everyday life. Why did God give us governing authorities? By the way, does the Bible ever say that the governing authorities are perfect people? No. As a matter of fact, you may have a problem with this because you think, why will I submit to my boss? Why will I obey my boss? You know, I'm smarter than my boss. As a matter of fact, the only reason why he is my boss is he's the son of the owner. Why will I obey him? Look at what the Bible says. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good. Now, is that a good thing to do? To do what is good? Of course it's good. Obvious, ba? Do what is good. And you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of... It's getting softer, you know, your answer. It is a minister of God to you for... Oh, bakit pag good, malakas? It is a minister of God for your good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Folks, can I share with you a very simple example? Very simple. Let's say you walked into this auditorium this afternoon and you had some food with you. Okay, let's say you were trying to smuggle in food. Or maybe not smuggle, let's say you were just bringing, okay? And you know for a fact that there is a sign that says, please do not bring in food, no eating, drinking inside the auditorium, okay? And then this very simple, humble servant of God called an usher goes up to you and says, sir, I'm sorry, but I have to remind you, we cannot bring food into the auditorium. And in the back of your mind, you're thinking, who is this person? I am the president of my company. You could be just one of my employees. Now, maybe you're not saying this, okay? But in your mind, you could just be one of my employees. Who are you to tell me that? Or maybe you actually tell the person, do you know who I am? Do you know what the usher will say? Sir, stay there. I will go get a doctor because you don't even know who you are. You need help. No, seriously, but if you respond that way, something is wrong. It goes back to our view of God. Believe it or not, why do I say that? Okay. Who owns everything? Ah, so God owns everything. Who owns this auditorium? God. Is it possible? Oh, by the way, before that, if God is the owner, what does that make you and me? It's called steward, right? We are to take care of things that do not belong to us. Everything belongs to God. Now, if you bring in food and you begin to eat, is it possible, even if you don't mean to, is it possible that that part of the auditorium will get dirty? Is it possible? Yes. 
Is that good stewardship? No. Now, you might say, but it's only me. I'm only one out of 8,000 whatever people. It's only this little part. What's the big deal? Well, if others see what you do, is it possible they will copy what you're doing? Ah, now there are more people dirtying the part of the auditorium. Are we being good stewards? No, because God owns everything. And He appointed that simple usher who gives a few hours of her time every Sunday to go up to you and to help you do what is good. So, will we now follow the ushers? Will we follow the parking attendants? But in general, will we obey God for His pleasure, honor, and glory? Yes. Okay. Simple example. Now, back to the story. Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, of those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. In other words, like, guys, this is bad. You and I need to repent. So they tore their clothes. That's what they do. And they spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, saying, the land which we pass through to spy out, it's an exceedingly good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, then He will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they will be our prey. Their protection has been removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And you know what? I realize many times our disobedience has to do with fear. When God says, forgive somebody, we're afraid that person will not reciprocate and will still hurt us in the future. When God says, love somebody who doesn't love you, we're afraid that we may appear weak. Or when God says, pay your taxes, we're afraid because we think our business will go under because we are paying the right tax. You see, many times our disobedience is fueled by fear. That's why the Bible says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that's why God told Joshua, you will be successful, meaning to say you will act wisely if you live according to my word. And it all goes back to God's radical love. Are we clear so far? Let's move forward. So, Caleb gave them this fantastic motivational speech. What happened? But all the congregation said to stone them with stones, and then the glory of the Lord appeared in the tent of meeting to all the sons of Israel. Ayaw talaga. So God shows up, and to make the long story short, Moses intercedes for the people. He says to the Lord, Lord, please do not wipe these people out. What will the other people say that you brought these people to the wilderness only to kill them? By the way, does that sound familiar to you? We've seen that story before. The people complain, they disobey God, Moses intercedes, God has mercy. This has happened before. These people have a pattern of complaining and disobedience. But again, let's not look too harshly on them because we should look at our own lives. Lord willing, we do not have the same pattern. But just in case, let this be a mirror to us so that we can examine ourselves. So Moses interceded. What did God say? 
The Lord said, I have pardoned them according to your word, but indeed, as I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. Surely all the men who have seen my glory and my signs, remember, all of these people saw God's amazing power, His radical love. On my signs which I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, yet have put me to the test these ten times. I told you this was not the first time. These ten times, and have not listened to my voice, shall by no means see the land which I swore to their forefathers, nor shall any of those who spurned me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he had a different spirit and has followed me partially. No. Look at this amazing description. Followed me fully. Would you want God to say this about you? at the end of your life, or any point in your life, this man, this woman, they have followed me fully. So he said, Caleb, who has followed me fully, I will bring into the land which he entered, and his descendants shall take possession of it. Say to them as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will surely do to you, your corpses will fall in the wilderness. And I'm sure it was just like this, so quiet. Your corpses will fall in the wilderness. And some of you might be thinking, God sounds cruel. I asked you earlier, remember what the people said. Oh, that we would have died in this wilderness. So where did that idea come from? It came from the people themselves. So God says, Okay, I approve your request. Your corpses will fall in this wilderness. Even all your numbered men, according to your complete, your complete number from 20 years old and upward, will have, who have grumbled against me. Surely you shall not come into the land in which I swore to settle you, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. Folks, many times, the price or the challenge of obedience is going against the crowd going against the flow. But obedience will always bring blessing. I remember the story of this young girl. At that time, she was a college student. She was a follower of Jesus in CCF. And she had gone with her fellow female classmates to a condo where one of their classmates lived together with the rest of her family. And they were supposed to do some kind of study project, whatever, schoolwork in that condo that day. But when they got there, the girl who actually lived in that condo said, hey, my father has a collection of X-rated videos. Let's watch some. Let's have some fun before we start working. So everybody said, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Bring it on. Except this one young lady. She wanted to obey God. And so she excused herself. She left the the unit. She went somewhere else in the condo, and once they were done doing their porno thing, she went back and she rejoined once they were getting serious with their work. Now, she never, she didn't think much of that, but years later, our sister, the one who left the condo, bumped into her friend, the one who said that day, years ago, let's all watch these X-rated movies. She bumped into her. Guess where they bumped into each other? I'll give you one guess, right here in CCF. And that girl who said years ago, let's watch this porno movie, she told our sister, 
You know what, that day, when you stood up and you walked away, I could not forget that. It had such an impact on my life. And obviously, that simple act of obedience helped lead this girl to Jesus. God is amazing. You will never know what form the blessing will take or when you will realize it. But obedience will always, always bring blessing. But then, of course, there's also the consequence of disobedience. Your children, however, whom you said will become a prey, remember your excuse, you're saying, oh, our children will become prey. They will not become prey. As a matter of fact, it is your children I will bring into the land. They will know the land which you have rejected, but as for you, your corpses will fall in the wilderness. Your sons shall be shepherds for 40 years in the wilderness, and they will suffer for your unfaithfulness until your corpses lie in the wilderness. Now, you're sitting there maybe saying, wait a minute. Why are the children paying for the sins of the fathers? Well, let me correct that. The children are not paying for the sins of their fathers. The fathers are answering for their own sin. But this is what you call collateral damage. Do you understand collateral damage? Can you say that with me? Collateral damage. Such is the nature of disobedience. It is so virulent, it is so poisonous that there is what we call collateral damage. And I believe God allows collateral damage so that you and I will think twice, three times, 10 times, 20 times before we disobey Him. Because we realize there is such a thing as collateral damage. According to the number of days which you spied out the land, 40 days for every day you shall bear your, bear your guilt a year, even 40 years you will know my opposition. You know what is the saddest thing about these 40 years, the additional 38 years of going around in the wilderness? For me, one of the saddest things is this. These people had the tabernacle, they had the sacrificial system by this time. But for the next 38 years, their lives will just literally go around in circles. Their family life, their social life, their work life, even their so-called religious life. It would just go on and on, routine over and over and over again. But there is emptiness. There is no experience of God's full blessing. And my friends, some of you here perhaps, that is how you feel your life is. It's just one routinary day in the next, including the religious part of our life, coming to church, but it just goes on and on, and there's no real meaning, there's no real purpose, there's no real fulfillment, there's no real direction. That's not what God wants for you. God wants you to live in a vibrant, life-changing relationship with Him, not in a religion, but in a relationship with Him. He wants to give you His full blessing. And that begins when you live in relationship with Him, and through His transformation in your life, we're able to live a life of joyful obedience as our expression of love for God. As for the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land, who returned and made all the congregation grumble against him by bringing out a bad report concerning the land, even those men who brought out the very bad report of the land, they died by a plague before the Lord. Very sad. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, remained alive out of those men who went to spy out the land. Now, just another insight. 
So the next 38 years, wander in the wilderness. Were Joshua and Caleb part of that wandering? Yes. Now you might think, wait a minute. Where is the blessing there? These guys, they stood up for, you know, for their principles. They wanted to obey God, and they have to wander like everybody else. Remember, obedience always brings a blessing. We will see what the blessing is later. But, you know, as my wife and I were thinking about this, in the early part of our Christian life, we tried our best by the grace of God to put God's Word into application in our lives, whether it had to do with money, with work, with interpersonal relationship, with making disciples, whatever it is, we, we really tried to obey God because we loved Him and we appreciated uh, and were deeply grateful for His work in our lives. But lo and behold, years later, my wife gets stage four cancer. And we figure, where is the blessing in that? After all of these years of obedience. Now, we didn't think that way, but we could have if our view of God was flawed. So we just hung in there, and we trusted Him. And in God's perfect time, He created a ministry out of those dark cancer days. And now, my wife in particular, she's seeing people come to Christ because of uh, the connection they have in terms of their similar experience. People who have cancer or some other life-threatening illness, their family members, their friends. So all of these people in desperation are able to come to Jesus and have a touch of His life-changing power. And so we realized it took years before this blessing became evident. But for sure, blessing will always follow obedience. The message today, Obey God's Word and His appointed authorities. As we go towards the last part of our message together, I want us to hear from this couple. This couple is very close to our hearts, my wife and myself, and I'd like us to hear what the Lord has taught them over a period of many years of walking with Him. Will you give a warm welcome, please, to Arvi and Gloria Kudala. Good afternoon. I am Arvi Kodala, married to Gloria, parents of two children, servants of God. We received the Lord back in 1992, just before we got married in February 1993. When we received Jesus, the Lord removed our smoking and drinking habits. We eagerly learned more about Jesus by attending various Bible lectures in Makati, braving the traffic from Santa Mesa and back home to Antipolo. We diligently attended worship, even if we had to leave right before the message to be able to get to work on time. We tithed, supported missions, and church initiatives to practice stewardship. At work, we persevered to obey Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord, rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. We work hard and aim to perform with excellence, integrity, and love. We also started Bible studies as well as special studies like PDL and Epicenter. So God blessed our careers as we advanced to top positions in the company we served. To our delight, God gave us day offs on Sundays starting 1998 so we could finally attend the entire service. 
However, in 2013, we realized we had not really done the one thing we should have done, which was to intentionally make disciples, not even in our own family. Looking back, our obedience was only until the point of our comfort zone. Both of us felt it was awkward to pursue our office mates. We did not want others to get the impression that we were unduly using our authority. At home, aside from failing to disciple our children intentionally, we realized we did not really know our kids anymore, who were then 18 and 14 years old already. Moreover, our quiet time and D-group attendance was waning, and RV would often attend half asleep. We decided it was time to take obedience seriously. In 2014, I resigned to pursue discipleship. I revived my relationship with our children and eventually joined WOW to deepen my faith and to make disciples, which the Lord blessed. In that same year, I decided to resign and join another company for career advancement and in hopes that a fresh start would result in office discipleship. We even joined Welcome Wednesdays and GLC series, but RV would frequently be half asleep again. As I was heading a startup company, the pressures of work choked my discipleship efforts, and it did not bear fruit. So God stepped in. The mother company absorbed this new company I was working in, and the merger made my position redundant. I was out of a job by July 2016. But in obedience to God and by His grace, we chose to be anxious for nothing, to be still, and to allot one year to focus on God's leading. First, we had to be faithful with the little things. We went back to a regular quiet time and to reading the Bible in a year. We reduced our TV time and eventually cut it out altogether in 2017. We also started attending the group regularly and participating actively. Hindi na natutulog si RV during Bible study. Then, we pursued the Great Commission. From the WOW ladies under Gloria, we invited their husbands and eventually formed the D group together with friends we had made through the Welcome Wednesdays. We also started a devotion at home with our children, using even the drive to school to read verses. To help us share the gospel, we joined the Welcome Ministry and invested in simple tracts, which we would leave in restaurants with a tip. But we had an issue with provision. We built up a retirement fund that we counted on to keep us in modest comfort, and we invested a large chunk with a friend. But it has been performing poorly, and now we have neither salaries nor steady income. But God said in Matthew 6.33, But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So we committed to trust in God and not in mammon. So far, the Lord has been faithful and has continued to bless us. Our relationship with our children is now stronger. They are willing to be discipled and to join church activities. We also have a D group of Timothys who are growing in the faith and who accepted the challenge to disciple others. 
As for our provision, God continues to meet for our needs and even allows us to continue tithing while sending us people to help us in finding a suitable business. We are RV and Gloria Kodala, striving for obedience to our Lord and Savior, to, to God, God be all, all the, the glory. glory. Praise God indeed. You know, RV and Gloria are very close to our heart. RV was my best friend in high school five years ago. <laughs> five decades ago, maybe more like that. Anyway, so we were best friends, and then we kind of lost each other, and I had become a believer. He was one of the first men I ever shared the gospel with. But you see, before I had become a believer, when we were in high school, I helped corrupt him. As a matter of fact, he told my wife years later that before he met me, I'm talking about high school days, before he met me, he was a good boy. That's how bad an influence I was. But after, by the grace of God, I shared the gospel with him. He became a believer. He said, brother, you have redeemed yourself. Glory to God. Fantastic. Now, the lesson, praise God. But the lesson we can learn from their lives is this. When we choose to live a life of obedience, there's only one thing left to do, and that is to pass it on so others may live the same kind of life. Passing it on is simply translated in, go, therefore, and make disciples. Shall we pray for them? Will you join me and stand with me as we pray for RV and Gloria? Father God, it is so amazing, so refreshing to continue to hear the stories you write in people's lives. And certainly the lives of RV and Gloria today are no exception to that sense of awe that is um, created within us as we reflect on how you take people from wherever we have been to become your children, your servants, and a part of your family. Lord, we want to commit to you now, RV and Gloria, their family, their future, their needs, uh, anything, Lord, and everything that you, uh, you're aware of all of the circumstances in their lives. Protect them. Bless them. Let them be bountifully fruitful for your glory and honor. Use them to impact the lives of many more men and women so that they may do the same for others. Thank you for blessing them so that they could be a blessing to all of us today. We commit them now into your hands in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen and amen. Praise God. So, what is the ending of the story? The flashback is finished. Let's now go back to the book of Joshua. In Joshua 11, it says, Just as the Lord had commanded Moses his servant, so Moses commanded Joshua. And so Joshua did. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord had commanded Moses. Joshua became the leader of the people of Israel. That was his blessing. And as far as Caleb, huh, Caleb went up to Joshua when they were already in the promised land. This is what Caleb told Joshua. I was 40 years old. Can you hear the song? Once I was 40 years old. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought word back to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt with fear, but I followed the Lord my God fully. 
Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden will be an inheritance to you and to your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God fully. Now behold, the Lord has let me live just as he spoke these 45 years from the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses when Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, I am 85 years old today. I am still as strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me as my strength was then. So my strength is now for war and for going out and coming in. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, until this day, because he followed the Lord God of Israel fully. Will we follow the Lord God fully? I pray we will. Caleb and Joshua, amazing examples of obedience. Their view of God was correct. It impacted their everyday life. And they learned obedience always, always, always brings blessing. But who is the greatest example of obedience in the Bible? Of course, it is Jesus. As we end, Philippians 2.8 says this about Jesus. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Why are we ending with this verse? Because you and I, in case we haven't grasped it yet, our obedience does not earn us our salvation. Our obedience is not a way of racking up points to get to heaven. It is the obedience of Jesus that brings the blessing of forgiveness, the blessing of the assurance of eternal life, the blessing of a transformed person. And he himself is the epitome of obedience. Shall we bow our heads? And if you're here this afternoon and you know that Jesus is not yet the Lord and the Savior and the Master of your life, you know that you have not yet given yourself to him fully. You do not yet have a relationship with him. Will you open your heart? Will you humble yourself and say to him, Lord Jesus, I realize that you obeyed your mission, even up unto death on a cross, so that it would be a blessing to me, so that this day, I could surrender my life to you. And that's what I decide today, Lord Jesus. I surrender my life to you, and I receive you by faith to be the Lord and the Savior of my life, that you may transform me so that I can live from this day forward a life that is pleasing to you, that I will love you in return through my joyful, full, and wholehearted obedience to your word. Lord, make me that person as I look forward to my place with you in heaven when my life on earth is over. And for the rest of us who are here today who do have a relationship with Jesus, you may have received him just this moment or you may have received him months or years ago. But if your conclusion this afternoon, regardless of however you have lived your life from that day to this, 
whether you have been constantly obedient or you may have wavered and wandered away. If your declaration to God today, this afternoon, is, Lord, I will follow you fully, will you stand to your feet and make that declaration with me at this moment? Regardless of how you may have lived your life, you may have been obedient or disobedient, but if your decision is to follow the Lord fully for the rest of your days, all of your years, whatever number of years that may be from this day forward, if you're saying, Lord, I want to follow you fully with all my heart, joyfully, with gratitude in my heart, no compromise, no turning to the right nor left, but by the power of your Spirit, I will obey you fully. Whatever you tell me, whatever your word says, I will do without reservation or purpose of evasion. I will follow you fully, Lord my God. If that is your desire, will you stand with me at this moment as we close in prayer? Be not ashamed. Be not afraid. Our Father God, we thank you so much for the amazing stories in your word the example of Joshua, the example of Caleb, how their view of you was accurate and how they responded well to your radical love and how they learned that obedience always brings blessing. But Lord, we realize today that the greatest blessing of obedience is knowing in our heart that we have pleased you, that we have honored you in the things that we have done in the things that we have decided not to do. Oh, Lord Jesus, all for your glory and honor. And as we refresh our commitment to you today by standing to say we will obey you fully, grant us the grace to do so, that you may indeed be honored until the day we see you. May your blessing be upon each one, that we may be a blessing to others, sharing your word, sharing our lives until we all see you face to face. This is our prayer in Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you, everyone. Connect with CCF through the following websites. Jumpstart your spiritual journey by joining a small group. We are so blessed you were able to join us today. God bless and see you next time.